Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Y'all remember Joseph, you know, Joseph in the Old Testament and amazing story, amazing part of uh, the the word of God is is the story of Joseph. And he, uh, of course, he was sold into slavery by his brothers and, and faced many hardships, many obstacles. But then he, you know, God had his hand on him. He rose to the top. God had given him a dream, a vision. And uh, he rose to, after being sold into Egypt, he rose to second in command. And uh, and God had him in that place to help his, to what? To help his brothers, help his family. Even though his brothers had turned him in, you know, turned him over to slavery, uh, God used him to help feed his family and ultimately sustain the nation of Israel, the remnant of Israel, so that the plan of God could go forward. And, uh, and there's a powerful statement when Joseph revealed himself to his brothers finally there in, uh, in, in, late in, in the book of Genesis. And, uh, and there's a wonderful statement in Genesis 50, verse 20, I wanted to start out with this morning. Genesis 50, verse 20, powerful statement that he shared with his brothers. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day. To save many people alive. He said, you meant it for evil. But God was able to turn this situation for good. You know, you may have experienced, and many people here experience setbacks. We all experience setbacks. Uh, and we can have some very negative experiences in life. But you realize Joseph, he never gave up on God. He never gave up on that dream. That God gave him, uh, he stayed. He stayed in the place where God could still work in him and through him. He stayed. For one thing, he stayed in a place of love. He stayed in a you know toward his family. He didn't get bitter about his circumstances. He uh, he stayed in faith. Amen. He kept trusting. Well, God's plan is going to be worked out here. So <clears throat> he didn't let. That setback stopped him. I want to talk about this morning victory over life setbacks. Victory over life setbacks. Um, and thank God it's possible to get victory Amen. over life setbacks. Uh, to come through some things and uh, to end up on the victory side of life. And to end up where, where we see a turnaround, where we see breakthroughs. Um, in life, you know, in different areas of life, different arenas of life. Again, we all have experienced setbacks. Every person here can say they've had a setback in some form or another. Um, and when that happens, you can be tempted to be discouraged. You can be tempted to ask why all the time. <laughs> uh, you can be tempted to uh, actually start casting blame and get allow some wrong things into your heart that can end up hurting your life. You know, a setback is a, uh, just a couple of just definitions from the dictionary here, is a check in progress. It's a reversal. A setback is also defined as a defeat. Uh, it's defined as an unexpected problem that shows up to hinder your ability to succeed. 
an unexpected problem that shows up to hinder your ability to succeed. And as I said, this is something we all have to deal with in life. But thank God, there's the opposite of a setback called a breakthrough <laughs> or a turnaround. Those are two words that just reveal, you know, kind of define the opposite of a setback. And thank God, that's something I want us to understand today. We need to learn. We can get victory. We can have victory. And uh, it may not be what some, you know, it, 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 victory may look a little different in some ways, de- de- depending on the type of setback. But, uh, but we're going to look at these things today and realize we can get victory because we have the Word of God. We have the Word of God. now, And that's why we have to stay close to the Word of God. There's a lot of things people will talk about, about how to overcome crisis and adversity and dealing with things, but they don't, they don't look at it from a biblical perspective sometimes. And, uh, and so that's very important because there's an important key we've got to understand just right off the bat. And that's the fact that we have a part to play in the turnaround for the victory. We have a vital part to play in that. See, some people think, well, it's just all up to God, you know, that God will do it, God some way, or he'll just work it all for our good somehow without us doing anything. Well, that's not Bible. Sorry if that burst your religious bubble out there. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm not. I hope it does. Because a lot of people need those religious bubbles burst. Thinking that God's in control of everything in my life, so just whatever happens, God's working out his plan in me. No. It's not Bible. Amen. Um, see, we've got, we have to give God something to work with for us to see setbacks turn into victories and triumphs. Amen. Too often, even Christ, you know, Christians will even just gravitate towards things like just crying out to God, just just kind of a almost a begging God, and God, please do something. Or and and and, and we get into that arena where God, you're not giving God something to work with. Then people wonder why don't things turn around? Why can't I get to the other side of this? Why can't I see victory? Well, we need to understand, again, what the Word of God has to say about these things. It's just like with sin. If you sin, you don't sit around and wallow in it, or you don't try to just push it under the rug. You don't. You know, a lot of things people do with sin that are not biblical. What do you do with sin? You repent. <laughs> you confess it. If you're a Christian, you get it under the blood. Why? Because that gives God something to work with. To get you back into a place where he can use you again for the kingdom. Amen. You realize when we forgive someone that's wronged us, we're giving God something to work with. God turned Job's captivity when he forgave those three friends of his, so-called comforters. When we exercise faith... When we pray in the name of Jesus, using our authority, when we bind and resist the devil, when we 
uh, you know, things that the Bible gives us to do when we do our part. We're giving God something to work with so that we can get victory over life setbacks, so that we can see turnarounds, so that we can see breakthroughs. Glory be to God. But if we do, if we allow things like fear to get into our lives, if we uh, allow bitterness and resentment to come into our lives, we need to realize we're not giving God something to work with. We're actually giving the enemy something to work with. That's Bible. You can open the door to Satan. Amen. And give him things to work with in your life, for, to work out his purpose and his plan. When you, when you grumble, gripe, complain, <laughs> you do realize that doesn't give God something to work with. It actually shuts the door on him being able to do some things that he wants to do in your life to bring you into victory. Hallelujah. (laughs) But aren't you glad, and this is the good news, setbacks don't have to stop you in your tracks. They don't have to become permanent. They don't have to become, you know, the, just the, uh, the new reality, if you will. And that's the good news that we have today. Praise God. Turnarounds can happen. What the devil meant for evil, God can bring things good into your life, even in spite of that. And turn things around and give you a a testimony. Now listen, I want to make a distinction here because you hear that phrase sometime. That God will turn it for good, whatever the devil meant for evil. And they'll, uh, and it's implied that you and I don't have to do anything. But again, that's not biblical. And if I say this once, I may say it a hundred times a day, but that's all right. Cause that means we need to hear it a hundred times. We must give God something to work with. For him to bring the turnarounds, the victories, amen, the breakthroughs that we ultimately desire. Amen. Without doing that, you can, you can say all you want to, God's going to turn whatever the devil meant for evil. He'll turn it for our good. You can say that all you want to. You can preach it from pulpits. But if you don't give God the right things to work with, that's not going to happen. Now, God in his mercy has done things for us, for all of us. But he expects us to ultimately learn the word of God, to grow up, to be able to be a doer of his word so that he can get involved in doing some things to bring even things that the enemy has meant for your defeat and destruction. God can take that, turn it into victories and testimonies for his people. He has He does and he will, but (laughs) we have to give him something to work with. We have to give him something to work with. We have to exercise faith. We have to use our authority. We have to do the things that are necessary. Amen. 
just like Joseph. He was falsely jailed, falsely imprisoned, had a lot of negative things. He was, I mean, he was a victim of some terrible negative attacks on his life. But he came out victorious on the other side. He kept his vision. He stayed in faith. And God was able to take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. Hallelujah. You know, just like you and I have to keep our, we have to keep the vision alive in our heart. The vision of God's word. The vision of God's promises. We have to keep dreams that God gives us. We got to keep them alive. If you quit on it, you don't give God something to work with. Part of giving God something to work with is just having a no quit attitude. Persevering when you'd rather give up. And just stopping in the land and just stopping in the territory of grumbling, griping, and complaining, like the first generation of Israelites did. Never crossed over the Jordan, never got to go into the promised land. They stayed on the other side because they didn't give God what He needed to work with to get them to the other side. So don't sit there and tell me, well, God will do it anyway, no matter no. He needs something to work with. Miles Monroe, uh, he's a, he was a wonderful teacher and man of God. He's gone home to be with the Lord. He shared a story one time with, he was with Oral Roberts. He's, he was closely connected to Oral Roberts ministry and, and they were doing an interview with Corey Ten Boom. If you don't know who Corey Ten Boom is, you just need to look her up. You know, she was, uh, God used her and her family during the time of the, you know, the, when the Nazis, uh, came to power in, in Germany and, uh, God used her, her a Dutch lady and her family to help get people out of, uh, you know, that, that life. But yet her, most of her family ended up in concentration camps. So she had a lot of things that she, you know, a lot of things to overcome in her life just to be who she was. But they asked her, she was 85 years old. And they asked her, how do you have such stamina? Cause she was still traveling, ministering at 85. How do you have such stamina at 85? Here's a couple of things she said. I just want you to get this. I read these things. She said, always live according to your vision, never according to your eyes. Always live according to your vision. That's what you don't see on the outside. But never according to your eyes, your outward eyes. She also said this. I love this. She said, Remember to believe in the dark what God told you in the light. <laughs> Remember to believe in the dark. You notice when it's dark out there, when the circumstance is dark, believe what God told you in the light. Amen. Praise God. So we have to do some things against setbacks. We have to do some things to make sure we're positioned to overcome and allow God to do his work in our circumstance. (laughs) It's like someone said, he gave uh, two rules for persevering. Rule number one was take one more step. Rule number two is when you can't take one more step, refer to rule number one. 
See, sometimes that's involved in faith. That's involved in making sure we give God an opportunity, give him something to work with. Amen. So that God can bring about his desired victorious plan for our lives. But see, setbacks don't have to be permanent. They can be, we can have setbacks again, as we said, in different areas of our life, in our finances, in our relationship, in our health, in career areas. There's many areas we can face setbacks. And there's some setbacks that almost seem overwhelming. I'll say that. We know there, there are some situations when it comes to losing a loved one or something where you're unexpected losses in life. There's things that seem overwhelming, but I want you to know there is a way that that can be turned for the glory of God. No matter what, as long as you're still breathing, (laughs) you got to get an attitude. As long as I'm breathing, I don't care what the devil's throwing at me. That's going to get turned somehow for the glory of God. I want to look at three main er- three three situations here in the Bible. Number, let's look first at the, uh, in Joshua chapter seven, where some setbacks occurred, but but they but they gave God something to work with. Joshua seven verse two. This is that second generation of of Israelites that that Joshua now is supposed to lead through the Promised Land. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. See, they had just defeated Jericho. The great victory, the walls came down. Amazing victory over Jericho. But now they're heading to Ai. Uh, and it's beside beth the east side of Bethel. And he spoke to them. And he said, go up, spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men. For they chased them from before the gate as far as should... Uh, wait a minute, is that verse 3? No, need to go to verse 3 after that. Did I give you verse 3? That was verse 2 we just read, right? See, I'm looking up here. I'm relying up here. Let me turn, if I need to, go to Joshua 7, verse 2. And then verse 3, after that. Yeah, they returned to Joshua. See, he sent some spies in there. They returned to Joshua and said to him, do not do not let the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Don't weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. In other words, this is an easy win. Man, we can whip these guys with one arm tied behind our back, you know. Just send up a couple thousand. That's all we need. Now, the, uh, so about 3,000 men went up there from the people, but they they fled for the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down 36 men, for they chased them from before the gates as far as Shabaram and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. I mean, all of a sudden, all the life and all the... The joy of the victory of Jericho, man, that just flooded right out of them. Had a great victory. Now they had an amazing defeat, an amazing setback. <laughs> I mean, that this, this was tough to take. Joshua, I mean, Joshua, this is the only time we see him here having a meltdown because he was a man of faith. He's a man God chose to be. Take Moses played. He was a, I mean, he always, we've seen him in a victory position, but now Joshua tore his clothes, fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord till evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. I mean, they were just, you know, they were so distraught. 
And Joshua said, Lord, uh, alas, uh, Lord, why, why, why did you bring these people over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Why did you bring us over here? We should have just stayed on the other side. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns his back before his enemies? Those, Lord, what am I, how, how can I turn to the people and say, what am I going to say to them now? Because I've been talking, how, we've been talking about how great you are. Said so the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear about it. And they're going to surround us. In other words, everybody's going to hear we got whipped by a little old Ai. And then, and then your name's going to be cut off. What do you, what are you going to do for your great name then? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's mad. He's upset at God. He's, he's blaming God. Have you know it's, it's a temptation to blame God when we face setbacks. So the Lord said to Joshua, I, I, I love this. Get up. Why are you lying there in the, in the dirt with your face in the dirt? Get up. Amen. Israel has sinned and they transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. So Israel had sinned. This was the reason for their setback. Israel sinned. Sometimes sin is the basis of the reason for a setback. Now, not always is sin a basis, a personal sin. is not always the basis for a setback. The reason for a setback. You, you do realize we just live in, the, in a world that's still under the curse. Where the devil is still the God of this world system. Amen. There's still going to be tests, trials, and trouble in this life. Afflictions in this life. Just because you're breathing the air down here. But there are also times where setbacks occur because we sin. And the only remedy for that setback, this is the first key here is for a setback is if you're going to get God to work on your behalf, if you're going to give God something to work with, when it comes to a sin that opened the door to the setback, you got to repent. Got to repent. Repentance is a good word, not a bad word. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the mercy of God. And thank God, once you repent, you get it under the blood. Now you don't let the devil beat you up with condemnation. Because that can be a problem too. Condemnation hinders many Christians from receiving from God. Because they live under that cloud of guilt and condemnation. Not believing in the power of the blood to redeem them and cleanse them. Once you've confessed it, once you've got it under the blood, as a child of God, as a believer, you need to leave it there. And don't let the devil beat you over the head with past mistakes and sins. It will, it will suck the confidence out of you. It will make you weak as a believer. You'll be weak in prayer, weak in faith if you let condemnation rule your life. You gotta get, see, that's another issue. You gotta just, just get that, get through that, over that. Live free from that with the truth of God's word. Hallelujah. But this was a setback. And repentance was the key for a turnaround. And thank God there was a turnaround. After they repented, there in, in Joshua chapter 8, Joshua chapter 8, verse 1, the Lord said to Joshua, 
Don't be afraid nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you. Arise, go up to Ai. See, I've given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. So they went in there, and uh, and the Bible says there in verse 2, uh, you'll do to Ai and the king as you did to Jericho and his king, only his spoil and his cattle you'll take as booty for yourselves. Now, they weren't supposed to do that in Jericho, which is which is what got them in trouble, you know. Uh, Jericho, they took the first fruits. When the first, the, they took all the spoil that God said belonged to the Lord. Amen. And, uh, and they, and, and some of them took it under themselves. But, uh, he said, now for AI, he said, I want you, you know, you get all, you get all the, all the spoils, all the, everything you can get, you go after it. And, and so that's what they did. They went in, they got a great spoil, you know, just, had complete victory. In other words, they had a turnaround. They had a breakthrough. <laughs> they had a great victory, didn't they? Amen. See, God's always for your victory and he'll turn things around. But sometimes repentance is needed. Repentance is needed. Hallelujah. You know, you hear about how well, he's reaping what he sowed. You realize there's, there's one substance that will Bring a crop failure in what you sowed. <laughs> Called the blood of Jesus. Thank God. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. The blood washes us and cleanses us. And God doesn't hold that against us. But we do need to repent. See, there. I know there are some. There are even some in the body of Christ that teach things today. It's some of this extreme grace, you know, message that you don't even have to repent as a Christian. Well, that's hogwash. All you got to do is read the New Testament. Read everything in the New Testament. You can take anything out of context. But uh, the Bible is very clear. As a Christian, when it comes to your fellowship with God, you can, you can strain it. You can allow that. You can give place to the devil in your life. And there's, a, there's times we need to recognize that and we need to repent. And then there's sometimes we just, we just do stupid things. It may not be sin. But, you know, some people get in trouble and need a, need a, they need to turn around in their finances because what they're doing is they're going out and buying everything on credit, every little, every little thing their beady eyes can see. And then they won't blame the devil. I know y'all don't want me to talk, talk about this part too much. That's all right. I'll move right along. <laughs> see, not everything's the devil's fault. <laughs> Sometimes we do. Listen, I say we, we've all done stupid things, right? We didn't listen to good counsel. Didn't mean we sinned in the sense of I was just I was intending on evil there, but we just we just didn't didn't use the wisdom that uh, Mama gave us. <laughs> the common sense sometimes that you don't need to always be spending more than you earn every day of the week <laughs> and building up. You know, that much credit. So now aren't you glad God will have mercy on us and help us even when we mess up? Amen. Thank God for that. He'll still turn some things around for you, but it may not be overnight. Amen. But if we hear it, but here again, if we have a setback because we sin, we need to repent. If it's because we did something stupid, we need to acknowledge it, admit it, and then make adjustments in our thinking, get our minds renewed. Amen. Now, cause, you know, cause again, you hear, here's another one of these religious phrases, uh, this found in second imaginations. 
And every, everybody, everything, it's amazing how many theologians you have that, that from Hollywood to the political realm to everywhere that they love this. They think it's Bible, but they hear this phrase, everything happens for a reason. How many of you heard that at least 10 times the other day? <laughs> oh, you got to just turn on TV or somebody, somebody go to work. You know, uh, somebody's going to say everything happens for a reason. Well, again, that's in second imaginations. That has nothing to do with the Bible. Because if, if that's true, then why does the Bible tell you to resist the devil? Wouldn't that be contradicting? Because they imply that God has a reason for everything that happens to you. Then we don't need scriptures like, we need to tear that out of the Bible. Resist the devil and he'll flee. And we got a lot of scriptures like that in the Bible. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Amen. Why does the Bible tell us, having done all to stand? Stand. Why do you have to stand if everything happens for a reason? Well, glory to God, just thought I'd burst that little bubble too. I like bursting those bubbles along the way. Praise the Lord. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. Why do you have to do that? Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> no, like one guy said, every, you know, everything, everything hap- if everything happens for a reason, well, the reason might be you were stupid. That's why that happened to you. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> as again, as I said, we've all been stupid before. We've all had things happen in our life that have caused trouble and problems and adversity. But thank God we can receive correction and we can begin to walk in the truth of God's word. Hallelujah. Let's look at a second example here in Exodus chapter 14, where Pharaoh finally, you know, told Moses, I'm going to let the children of Israel go. I'm going to let you go. You can leave Egypt. And the Bible tells us, of course, that they left Egypt and there was not one feeble one among them. They left with silver and gold. I mean, they left with, I mean, it was a glorious day. They left, you know, it was a demonstration of the goodness and glory of God. Left in great victory, but then a setback occurred. Pharaoh changed his mind. (laughs) Actually, his heart was hardened. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. And he's, here they are, the Red Sea's in front of them. Pharaoh and his army is behind them. I'd call that a setback because everything was going great, man. I mean, we're, we're, we're leaving. We got silver and gold in our pockets. We're, everybody's healthy. On the way down the victory road to the Canaan land. But behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, because there were no graves, they got sarcastic here. Because there were no graves in Egypt, you've taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Because we want to, we want to go back to just eating lentil soup with hardly any lentil. For it would have been, and just some old ugly you know, dried up onions, you know. For it would have been better for us, better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Griping, complaining. Boy, they got good at it in a hurry, didn't it? It didn't take long. One setback. One difficulty. (laughs) And Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he'll accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you'll not see anymore again forever. And the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Now, this is important here. He said, why are you looking to me right now? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Then he says in verse 16, very important here, lift up your rod. 
That represents something for you and I. That's a picture. That's a type. It's a type of our authority in Christ. You realize there's a time not to be looking to God and say, oh, Lord, why, why won't you do something? Why can't you do something about this? God will turn to you and say, didn't I give you authority in the name of Jesus? Didn't I tell you, behold, I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions? Didn't I tell you to resist the devil and he'd flee? How many of God's not going to resist the devil for you? Lift up your rod, stretch out your hand and over the sea and divide it. It's like God saying, why are, you, why are you begging something from me when I've already equipped you with all you need? You know God's still doing that today. He's the one that's equipped us with the authority, the tools, the equipment, spiritually, the weaponry. To take authority over the enemy in our life. Amen. And some things are not going to happen if you and I don't lift up our rod, open our mouths, stand on the word of God, and declare the word of God, speak to that mountain. Oh, God, please move the mountain for me. He's saying, no, you speak to it. I've given you the authority. I've given you a mouth. And you get your heart full of the word and let that word come out of your mouth in faith. And that mountain will get out of the way. Oh, but Lord, please. See, we can get we can get it. There's too much Christian begging and groaning about problems and circumstances and mountains and giants. Amen. And some people call it prayer. It's actually a sophisticated form of begging. Please, God. When God's saying, "Uh uh-uh, stop crying to me, lift up that rod. Begin to exercise that authority and faith that I bequeathed unto you when Jesus whipped the devil 2,000 years ago. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. (laughs) So many battles are lost because Christians are asking God to do what he has already equipped them to do. And authorized us to do. He's given us his name. He's given us the word of God. He's given us the armor of God. He's given us the Holy Spirit, the greater one within. He's given us authority over the devil. So when the enemy's trying to bring a setback into your life, or he's brought one, but yet for you to get over that, for you to get through that, there are times, if it's not sin, there are times you've got to take your authority in faith. Amen. You've got to give God something to work with. I'm going to say it again. This is what we're, t- we're talking about, different things. Where they, gave, they had to give God something to work with. Moses had to lift up the rod. If he, I mean, that, he had a part to play. It's not, well, God's in control. He'll do it. No! If you're going to overcome that setback, you've got to lift up that rod. We have a part to play in seeing a turnaround, seeing a victory. Hallelujah. But rise up and use the spiritual weapons God has given you and see what God will do then. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Another example, a third example I want to mention this morning from Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas. Paul, Paul was just doing, he was just obeying God. He, he had a vision uh, to, of a man saying, come over to Macedonia. He knew this was the will of God for him to go into Macedonia. Paul and Silas, man, they were just out preaching the gospel, getting people set free, just doing the will of God, man, just doing the works of Jesus. Hallelujah. Cast out the devil and a girl here in Acts chapter 16. And let's pick it up now what happens in, in verse 16. 
Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Of course, that was a mocking spirit, a demonic spirit there. And she did this for many days, but Paul greatly annoyed. Finally, the, 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 you know, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, in him, he recognized that and, uh, and he, and he, this is what he did. He turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. He came out that very hour. But when her master saw their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, drug them into the marketplace to the authorities. They brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stock. Stop right there on the screen. Here they are. They're, They're put. This is, this is a, Dirty. This is a Macedonian prison, the inner part of the prison. It was history, history tells it was one of the worst places you could put people. You know, it was dark. It was just it was grotesque. There were you know just all kind of critters down there. It was nasty. And 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 Paul and Silas, they're probably looking at each other, thinking, "All I did was follow the vision." Sorry, Silas, you know, I'm just following the vision here. I know you came along with me. And, uh, and, and, and Silas is probably thinking, boy, it really pays to follow you around. And they could have, you know, the next verse could have read, and Paul and Silas grumbling, griping, and complaining. No, but at midnight, what does verse 25 say? At midnight, Paul and Silas, they prayed and the King James says they sang praises, uh, they sang praises unto him. They singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. They heard them. What did they do? They sang praises unto God. They prayed and they sang praises unto God. Hallelujah. That's what they did in the midnight hour of crisis with a setback. This was a setback getting thrown in a Macedonian jail. My goodness. About as big a setback as you can have there. Be put in, you're put in chains. Instead of being depressed, instead of being down and out, instead of having a victim mentality. Wow. One translation of that verse says, mingling petition with songs of praise. They mingled petitions with songs of praise. That means they were going, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, we're just doing your will, and we thank you that will is going to be completed. So we just praise you right now. We're not going to look at our problem. We're not going to focus on our circumstance. We're going to remember in the dark midnight hour what you reveal to us in the light. So we're going to rejoice. We're going to praise. We're going to sing. We're going to shout. We're going to have an attitude of a victor, not the mindset of a victim. Glory to God. What were they doing? They were giving God something to work with. I said they were giving God something to work with. God delivered them. What does the next verse say? He delivered them while they were praising, while they were praising. Suddenly, it was right in the middle of the praising. See, sometimes people, they, they, they'll, 
you realize you can pray so long, it turns into a groan. I'm talking about praying for your own need. If you just keep praying over and over, it can get, it can get to a point. It's no longer faith. But, the, but when, it, when it becomes a praise, when you can turn it into a praise and, and, and put a praise at the end of your prayer, you're now expressing your faith. You're saying, God, you're working in this circumstance. I'm, I'm putting this in your hand. I'm trusting you now. To, and I have an expectation of your promise coming to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So God delivered them. Not while they were griping and complaining because that opens the door to the devil. But praise and thanksgiving gives God an open door to bring a breakthrough. That's a pretty good breakthrough, isn't it? Suddenly there was an earthquake. Foundations of the prison were shaken. All the doors were open. Everyone's chains came off. (laughs) Praise. Supernatural breakthrough. Aren't you glad for supernatural breakthroughs? Aren't you glad God still wants to do supernatural breakthroughs right now, today, in our lives? And he will. Hallelujah. But let me say it again. For the umpteenth time, and I'll say, I may say it more umpteenth before I'm through here. we got to give him something to work with. In each of these cases, these individuals gave God something to work with. So that he could bring about a turnaround. Hallelujah. A victory. Over the setback. See, the devil, you realize when it comes to praising and thanking God, how many of the devil can't stand that atmosphere? The Bible tells us that praise steals the enemy in the avenger. The Bible says that the Lord inhabits, Psalm 22, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. It means God shows up. It means God shows up. Hallelujah. You know, and uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 24, look at Psalm 24, verse 7. Uh, it says, but you are holy enthroned. Uh, no, Psalm 20, I'm sorry, 24, verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. See, did you realize, you know, the Bible talks about here gates and doors. You can be a gate and a door. Uh, you and I are gates and doors to whether we allow the power of God into situations or we allow the work of the enemy into situations. You're, you're a doorkeeper. You're a gate. Lift up your heads, gates. And be lifted up everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Notice that's when you lift up your head. A down head, a downcast head, doesn't allow the might and power of his glory to come in. But it says, lift up your heads, verse 8. Verse 8. Who is the king of glory? Notice, he's the Lord strong and mighty, mighty in battle. See, when we lift up our heads, when we when, when these gates open up with praise and allow God to come in with thanksgiving, praise, rejoicing, the King of Glory is able to come in. And when He comes in, what else comes in? Might and strength. What's the might and strength for? To bring you through, give you a breakthrough, a turnaround, give you victory and over a setback, an adversity. <laughs> See, we can talk, we can talk for weeks on praise, right? The power of praise and the power of giving thanks. Hallelujah. You know, the opposite of, the opposite of that is being down, being defeated, having a pity party, griping and complaining. That's the opposite of praise and giving thanks and rejoicing. 
Well, the, well, the first the first generation of the Israelites, we already referred to them. They were the grumbling group. And, and what does the Bible say happened to them? Because uh, they didn't give God something to work with. They gave the enemy something to work with. First Corinthians chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Let's read that just as a reminder. I mean, it's good to be reminded of what caused some people to experience destruction and defeat. Don't let us tempt Christ as some of them, talking about that first generation, also tested him and they were destroyed by serpents. Don't complain as some of them complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. You think that principle still applies for us? That's New Testament. Paul said, learn from them so that it doesn't happen to you. That must mean we can open the door to that too. So don't, don't put down your heads, O gates. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be a gate for the glory. Even when you're tempted to say, oh, woe is me. And have the big pity party. And gripe and complain. Why did this happen? You're tempted. We're all tempted. That's when we have to arrest our thought life. We have to arrest our tongue. And then we have to get the word of God back in our heart. We have to say, no, this is what God's word says. And we make a petition and then we praise God and say, thank you, Father. Your word is true. Thank you that what the enemies meant for evil, you're turning for good. Thank you that you said that I I triumph over all these things. Thank you, Father, that you made me more than a conqueror through him that loves me. Thank you. Praise God. And then you praise him in the midnight hour. I was reminded of just in my own life of a, Circumstance several years back when I, we were actually away, uh, and, uh, staying at a, at a place, uh, we were, I think we're at the beach and, um, and one, one afternoon I, I started getting symptoms of, uh, of a condition of uh, where I'd, I'd gotten a victory, uh, but it was some con- serious condition that, uh, and some of these symptoms started coming back in my body and, uh, of something I'd, you know, that was a serious situation and I, and I, but the symptoms were there and I, and I, you know, I wasn't imagining them, but, and the enemy tried, and I, we were doing some things during the day. So the enemy was just working on me throughout the day. You know, I endeavored to just fight, you know, kind of fight it and just, you know, but, but we were busy doing other things with, with another, another ministry couple. And, and so that night, I mean, I could feel my blood pressure gotten up. I was fear, spirit of fear was trying to get all over me. How many of you know preachers get to battle things just like everybody? <laughs> they really do. And, uh. But I was, I realized, and everybody else said, my wife had gone to bed. I mean, I got up and I knew, and, and, uh, and, and I was out there in the living area, by, just living room by myself, the den or whatever. And, and it was late at night. And I just, and this stuff was trying to just eat me up. You know, and the symptoms were there. The devil was there. <laughs> the voices were there. The pressure was there. And I said, I, I'm not putting, I, I'm, I can't, I'm not, I'll, I'm, I said, Lord, I'm going to, I knew I need, I just knew in my heart, it rose up in me, just magnify the name of Jesus in praise. So I just, I spent the next, almost the rest of the night into the morning, into, I don't know how late into the morning, hours. All I did was just magnify the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. I walked around that room. That's all I did for hours. I didn't care how long it took. At that point, I'm just like, I'm at least going to get on top of this. When, and even so, even if I don't have the symptoms leave me yet, I wouldn't, you know, I'm just thinking I'm entering into a place now of praise where I'm not going to get upset about that. I'm not going to stay in fear. I'm not going to give the devil an open door. I've got to get on top of this spiritually. 
So I said, I've got to, I'm just going to praise until I either am too tired to, to not praise or, and, uh, uh, or just get a sense of, a sense of that, of a release of victory. So I pray, I just worshiped and praised and thank God. And, uh, and then I was able to go to sleep probably about four or five in the morning. I forget what time it was now, but, and went back in bed for a little while, slept a couple hours and just got up and went on my, during the, during the, during the next day, during that, ne- that morning, later that morning and during the day, I wasn't even thinking about, it. I, was, I was in a place of peace. But during that next one, all of a sudden I recognized, I realized those symptoms are gone. <laughs> Praise God. They just left. And so what am I saying? I'm saying we have to give God something to work with again. It's not just going to happen automatic just because we're his children. I know that's some people that's hard for them to accept. God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting, amazing love. But he still set this thing up. He's also not only a love God, he's a faith God. Which means he has a requirement. The just are to live by not just feeling good. And the just are not just to live by hoping God's in control. The just are to live by faith. And the Bible says faith in Hebrews 11. That's what pleases God. Why? Because it acknowledges, it, it, it gives him something to work with, acknowledges him in our circumstances where we don't think that we just have to do it ourselves, but we actually get to look to him, trust him, with, even though we can't see it in the natural realm, we're, we, we can't be looking at the, at the darkness without recognizing he's shown us some things in the light. Hallelujah. Praise God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Well, verse 16 tells us rejoice, and all, rejoice always. Uh, pray without ceasing. Then verse 18. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God. In everything, give thanks. In everything. He didn't say for everything. You're not supposed to thank God for cancer. You don't thank God for the car wreck. You don't thank God for the setback. Bible doesn't say you thank God because that's... If you're thanking him for it, that means you think he did it. Oh, thank you, Lord, for putting that obstacle in my life. He didn't do it. The Bible says every good thing comes down from heaven. Every good gift comes from God. Anything that tries to steal, kill, and destroy comes from the devil. The Bible's very clear. So in everything, though, in everything, we are to be giving thanks. Not for the problem, but we give thanks in the midst of the problem. In spite of the problem, we're thanking God for his word, for his promises. For the answer. We thank God that we're healed even when we're in the midst of a dealing with a disease that's from hell that's trying to destroy our lives. Hallelujah. This is the will of God. In that, you make your petition and then you give him thanks. Hallelujah. This is the best Thanksgiving message I could ever give you. (laughs) Because there's power in it. It gives God something to work with to release his anointing in your life, to turn situations around in your life. Take a setback and now make it a stepping stone, stepping stone for his glorious power to be at work and for him to display his goodness in the earth and for him to be magnified. Even though the devil meant something for evil, God's able to turn it around for good. And you've got a testimony to slap the devil upside the head with for the rest of your life. And even help others see how good God is. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. (laughs) Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, you're so good. See, you can thank God and praise him even when hell is raging. You will see chains fall off. You will see earthquakes shake, things shake circumstances. The power of God, the goodness of God will turn circumstances around. But you've got to have an attitude, a spirit of faith. See, we've got, I'm not just talking about a positive attitude. I'm talking about revelation knowledge. You know, you hear the world talk about, oh, you just need to keep a positive attitude. Well, that goes to a certain degree. It helps some people to a, de- to a degree. But I'm not talking about a positive attitude just from the standpoint of just thinking, thinking positive thoughts while the devil's beating you, beating you to a bloody pulp. I'm talking about the attitude that comes because you've got revelation knowledge of God's word on the inside of you. And that causes you to be able to rejoice and praise and give God thanks right in the midst of a, of a hell raging setback and difficulty. There are times you're going to have to be, everybody's going to face a crisis of life in some form or another. And our attitude our, I, again, Paul, the Apostle Paul, I love this in Philippians 1.12. You know, Philippians is the letter of joy it's referred to as. The letter of joy. And Paul was writing it from prison. But see, Paul, had a, he realized because of his attitude and his spirit of faith, he said, you can put me in a prison, I'll just make it a bigger pulpit. Again, your attitude, your perseverance, your spirit of faith, what are you doing? You're giving God something to work with. Paul gave God something to work with all the time. So I want you to know and continue to rest assured, brothers, that what's happened to me, this imprisonment, has actually only served to advance and give a renewed impetus to the spreading of the good news, the gospel. Glory to God. We need to adopt that spirit of faith, that attitude that whatever the devil tries to bring into my life, you can put me in the prison. I'll make it a platform for the gospel. You, even if the devil has brought a setback in my life, even if he's brought some destruction in my life, even if I have scars in my life, if I give God the right things to work with, he'll turn those scars into bright stars. He'll turn that setback into, into something that looks like a great comeback story, a story that will bring him glory, a story that will cause uh, other people to say, look how good God is. Hallelujah. But it takes an attitude like Paul. It takes a willingness to give God something to work with and not sit back and quit, feel sorry for ourselves. And I know this isn't always easy. I know some of you may have faced setbacks that are just overwhelming in nature. I mean, we've, we have people in our church at times that have, that's happened. I mean, I know it's over, it can be overwhelming, but you've got to determine the devil. As long as I'm breathing, the devil's, the devil's not going to get the upper hand. The setback is not the last word. It's going to be turned. It's going to be turned. This is going to turn for God's glory. I'm going to give God something to work with. I'm going to give him an attitude. I'm going to give him a heart. I'm going to dedicate myself to help other people. Even with using the setback that God, that the, the, the enemy brought into my life, God's going to take that and, and he's going to bring a greater spirit of anointing and compassion on me to, to minister to others. And I'm going to be able to help somebody else and be a vessel, a tool of God's delivering power. In spite of that setback, I'm going, it's going to get turned for the glory of God. What the devil meant for evil, you got to have that attitude. What the devil meant for evil, God's going to turn it for good. 
Doesn't happen automatic. It's not automatic. We got to give him something to work with. We got to give him faith. We got to give him praise. We got to give him an attitude, <laughs> a spirit of faith. We got to use our authority. We got to stand up and resist the devil. We got to resist the temptation to complain and gripe and have a pity party. We got to stand against that. And then stand in the victory of Christ. Stand in the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to continue to be obedient. Mary faced a setback when they said, "There's at the first, at the marriage, you know, at the at the marriage uh, party, you know, uh, celebration there." And they said, "Mary, we don't have any more wine." And this was a great embarrassment. It was a setback. So what are we going to do? She said, "Do whatever Jesus tells you to do." See, whenever you're facing a setback, what do you need to go ever go back and see what whatever the Word tells us to do? Just be obedient. Act on that. Put the Word to work. God's going to turn it around. Amen. God had a plan to t- for that water to turn to wine, and it was. A, it, they said, "Man, you should have brought this. You 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 saved the best to last." God get, got great glory out of a setback. Hallelujah. Is anybody getting a hold of it? I'm ready to shout and run and dance and do whatever here. But I don't think I have anybody go with me. I, it doesn't look like it this morning. I don't know. I, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I mean, there's some of you I've cried for. There's some of you and I've been people in our church over the years. I'm like, I, I weep for and I pray for for situations and circumstances people have had to deal with. And I, but my heart is for you to lay, grab hold of this and realize it ain't over. Amen. This thing ain't over. <laughs> what the devil's meant for evil, man, he's just going to get a black eye. He's going to get a black eye. Glory be to God forevermore. I mean, the, the, you know, the Bible talks about how the, the devil and his cohorts, they wish they'd never crucified the Lord of glory. Why? Because of what happened. The devil is his nature to try to steal, kill, and destroy. But he can't, he can't help himself. He takes the bait, but not realizing, oh my goodness, man, I bit off more than I can chew. Especially for a man or a woman of God who will, who's willing to give God something to work with. You know, that, you, 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 here's something you need to realize. For every setback, God already has a setup. That came to me last night. Because I was thinking about David. Here, Israel's facing a setback. I mean, you got all the army cowering down, scared, thinking this Goliath guy is going to, he's going to, they're, they're going to get beat by the Philistines. This is a setback. They're embarrassed. They're ashamed. They're sitting there cowering to this uncircumcised Philistine. And then this little guy, David, walks up and he has a spirit of faith. He has, he, he, he and he was willing to act on his covenant trust in God's word. And he, he said, I'm willing to step out here. I'm willing to, I'm willing to give God something to work with. So he got his, he got his little stones ready and his slingshot. He's ready. He's ready to go into action. He started acting on that. He started speaking the word of God. He started acting his faith, gave God something to work with supernatural victory over Goliath. Goliath was a, he looked like a setback, but it was just a setup. God had a setup. Because when David got the victory, what happened? It was a setup for his promotion. There are things that look like setbacks for you, but it, I mean, setbacks for you, but it's just a setup for you to get promoted in the kingdom to a greater level of influence for the kingdom, glory for the kingdom, financial increase for the kingdom, testimony for the kingdom, 
strength for the kingdom. <laughs> God's always got a setup. We're looking at the setback. God has a setup. But how we react to that, how we respond to the setback is going to determine if we're going to get to experience God's setup of blessing. Abraham, here he is. He's coming up with Isaac. You know, he's going to say, he, he's, he's, you know, they're ready. He's, he's obeying God. I'm, I, he brought Isaac. We're going to do the, you know, we're going to sacrifice a lamb. We're going to sac, <clears throat> and, and then they, they get up there and find out on the top of the mountain. And, and, and Isaac go, you know, hey, where's the, where's the lamb? We don't have any, we don't have a sacrifice, man. This, I mean, in other words, this is a setback. We don't have what we need to sacrifice to God. But Abraham was a man of faith. He went up there in faith and even he knew the Bible says in Hebrews, even if he knew that he needed to sacrifice his own son, that, that, uh, he was willing to do that because he knew God would raise him from the dead. That's what Hebrews tells us. He had faith, but he, but here's what he said. God will provide the sacrifice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And guess what? Wherever there was a set, looked like a setback. God had a ram in the thicket. I said, God had a ram in the thicket. God had a setup, a setup to use Abraham's act of faith as a basis of covenant to bring a redeemer to you and me. That's bigger than some of you are looking at me like. That's big. That's huge. Hallelujah. But it all looked like a setback at first. See, things that may look like a setback at first, and they are setback. Don't get me wrong. There's things, there can be some bad negative things happen in our lives. But realize God wasn't caught off guard and he's still got a setup for you to use that setback in some way to whip the devil's head with it. Daniel, lion's den, set up. One of the greatest eternal testimonies we have in the word of God is victory over the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But that was a, that was a setback. I mean, you're going, you're getting about to get thrown into the fiery furnace, but they said, the Bible says they believe God. They, they said, we're coming out of this king. You read that, read that in Daniel. They, they spoke their faith. They said, well, they said, you can throw us in there. We're going, we're not going to serve you. We're going to serve God. <clears throat> it was a setup for a great victory, great victory. Hallelujah. Even in, in, in the common day we live in, don't you, don't you know the devil wish he'd never put sickness and disease on a man named Kenneth e. Hagan? There's a rhema in every corner of this planet, teaching people the word of faith, teaching people the word of God, training up ministers in every corner of the globe. Because that, that young 17 year old kid got a hold of Mark 11:23 and 11:24, and what the devil meant to destroy him with sickness and disease, incurable sickness and disease. He rose up off that bed. And God used him to, only heaven's going to be able to reveal all the depth of how God's used some men. What he started in some men. But it took somebody overcoming a setback. So don't ever think you can't overcome that setback. Don't ever think, it doesn't matter what the setback is. It doesn't matter what's already happened. It can still be turned in some way. Because it ain't over yet. You're still breathing. God promises victory over life's setbacks. If you have to go through it, if you have to go around it, or even if it's already happened to you, something terrible, God can take the scars of that, hallelujah, and give you a stepping stone, a platform, 
to beat the devil's brains out with it. But you cannot relent. You cannot quit. You got to say, I'm not, (laughs) this ain't over. I'm going to have a spirit of faith. I'm going to have a spirit of victory. I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I'm not going backwards. I'm going to praise God no matter what. I'm going to thank God in everything. Hallelujah. Victory's mine. Victory's mine. And it's just a setup in front of me for God to get glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Let's just give him thanks and praise this morning. Hallelujah. Some of you have faced a, faced a setback. or Some of you are in the middle of a setback in your life. Some of you have just encountered one. Or some of you, uh, you, 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 you you've, uh, things that have kind of hung on to you. Oh, hallelujah. Well, this is your time of turning. It's a time for things to transition here. Because you've determined some things in your heart. And you've gotten your focus right. Some of you made that adjustment already in your heart. I sensed it. You switched, you turned the switch. <laughs> and you said, now from this point on, it's going to be different. I'm not going to be moved by what's going on in the dark because I've got light on the inside now I'm going to live by. I've got vision on the inside now. So I'm not going to be moved by my natural eyes. I'm going to live by the spiritual eyes of what I see in my heart from the truth of God's word. Ha, ha, ha. And things will begin to turn. Things will begin to change. Circumstances that have been so negative will not remain, but they shall flee, they shall go because of what you know from my, from the word of God, from the truth that will cause these things to turn around because my word and my power will not be denied. My power cannot be stopped, says the spirit of grace. And when I put my hand to something, it must change. And there are things I've set my hand to that pertain to my children. And if they'll just continue to look to me and walk with me and trust me and expect from me, they will surely see. Not hopefully see, but will surely see my hand at work in their circumstance. And and, and glory will come to me. Glory will come to the gospel. Glory will come to, to the plan for the kingdom in the earth. For those who will just simply walk in obedience and simple faith and lift up your rod in the time of challenge and difficulty and the victory will be assured and it shall surely come to pass that the plan from heaven will be revealed and at last glory will come. Hallelujah to the Father up above. <laughs> Praise God from those he so greatly loves. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. He loves us. Thank you, Father. You love us. Thank you that you have a plan for good. You have setups for your people. Setups for those who are dealing with setbacks in their life right now. Dealing with difficult circumstances. So everybody stand up. That's true for you online. If you're at home, wherever you are. Not not if you're driving, but wherever you are. 
If you can stand up, stand up. If not, lift up a hand. And everybody here, lift up your hands. Because we're giving God something to work with before we go here this morning. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what you've dealt with or are dealing with. Whatever has been brought into your life. Whatever you're facing right now from the past or the present. We're doing something about our future right now. We're doing something. We're giving God something to work with for our future. For tomorrow. For next week. Next month. Next year. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we purpose right now. We purpose no matter what we've seen, no matter what we've experienced, no matter what we're feeling. We're going to praise God. We're going to acknowledge him. Now, if you need to repent of something, repent and then get that under the blood and let's move on. But right now, I want you in in an attitude of praise. That's the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith, it believes, it speaks, and it also praises. It gives thanks in everything. Hallelujah. Just like Paul and Silas. Right now, some of you may be in chains. Some of you may feel like you're in captivity. Some of you may have experienced being in the middle of a setback. But God's about to do something in your tomorrows, in your future. But he just needs us to give him something to work with. (laughs) Praise God. So at the count of three, we're going to praise. We're going to shout for just a couple of minutes, a minute or two here. And let's, let's, let's start that turnaround. Let's start that turnaround. Let's start that breakthrough right now. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the victory. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you that you meet our needs. Thank you, Father. We're healed by the stripes of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for victory. Thank you for triumph. Thank you. That you're turning it around. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You're turning what the devil meant for evil. You're turning it for good. Because we trust you. And you're giving us light. You're giving us wisdom. Father, you're giving us utterance. You're giving us a new platform. Some of you that God wants to give you a brand new platform. A platform. Hallelujah. You thought it was over. You thought your testimony was done. You thought, man, how can I even be an influence for the kingdom in in, in dealing with people and sharing with people? God said, no, this is a new platform for you. Out of the rubble of that setback. God's built a platform in the spirit for you. Obey him. Listen to the spirit. Trust in the anointing. He'll give you words. He'll give you utterance in the time of, of, of need. And when a testimony is required, he'll give you a voice where there hadn't been a voice. Hallelujah. And it's going to cause some things to happen in the realm of the spirit. And the devil will wish he'd never mess with you because of this platform God has for you. A setup. 
a setup <laughs> for kingdom purposes. Glory to God. 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 <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for blessing your people. Blessing those who've been hurting. Blessing those who... Father, I thank you. They've been dealing with this. But I thank you for the turnaround. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father.